So if you have your Bibles, please open to that passage because uh, we'll be referencing it in just a few moments there in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 2. And I want to begin uh, this morning with a word of prayer. We're going to jump right into the word and we will conclude with communion. So will you join me as we begin uh, with a word of prayer this morning? Lord, today, as we open up your word and as we've heard the lyrics of this song, I pray each and every one in this sanctuary would be fully present this moment. Uh, As a, a pastor, a challenge at Christmas is to remind everyone that they are part of this story. This isn't a story that is over. It is still living and active in each and every one of us. And so now may all of our hearts be open to see ourselves right in the middle of this Christmas story this morning. Well, we've, we've heard testimonies and prayer requests just a few moments ago. Today, a young lady celebrates a birthday, and I pray that Peyton would recognize the, the destiny that has been placed before her, that, Lord, you have your hand on her, and you're going to open up doors, Lord, to her future. May she have a sense that you are the living God, and you are present with her in these moments. And today, Lord, we've also heard requests of a, of a young man in an, in an early struggle with cancer, and, and someone named Clark Jordan who has been in a serious accident, and family members who are in the midst of, of conflict and challenges. And in this season, when we have to uh, discuss or, or, or recognize tragic moments, We almost think that that's not appropriate for Christmas, but the story of Christmas always has has always had a tragic side to it. And the beauty of this story is that, Lord, you are the God that came uh, through through struggle, through tragedy, through frustration, and you, you were a humble God who was born in a manger to bring life and perspective to everyone who would look upon you and call you Savior. And so now, may we be fully present in the middle of this Christmas story and allow the spirit of a living God to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a passage that Rod just read a few moments ago. If you have your Bibles open, and right there in Luke chapter 2.19, it was the last verse that Rod read. Luke 2.19. We've heard all of the story of, of what had transpired up until the birth of Christ. And we hear of angels, uh, angels declaring and shepherds coming and saying that they spread the word of what they'd been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then in verse 19, it says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Where was Mary's treasure at? According to the scripture? In her heart. Now, if you, she, she's treasuring these things in her heart, but you know the rest of the story too. All of this happened after she just 
she experienced pregnancy and gave birth to a child in a barn with animals. Now, anybody in this room ever, now I could have, I haven't prefaced this question. Anyone ever in this room gave birth to a child in a barn before? Okay, good. So that, so we've eliminated that. So I would have to assume that in your moments right before you gave birth, you weren't really enjoying it that much. Now, that's just an assumption. I'm just going to assume that, that it wasn't a fun experience for you. So sometimes on Christmas, we have to be reminded of that experience, having that painful, treacherous experience, knowing that there's something amazing at the end of it, in a stinky place with just... With, with solely with one other person there at that time, that was Joseph. So she had, so she, Mary, if anyone, ha, couldn't she just have a moment uh, to complain? And we don't read any of that in Scripture, but who knows whether she was. We assume she was incredibly frustrated by all of the situations. And here's what's interesting about this, that there's all of these supernatural things that are happening around her and great expectations and promises for the future. But the reality for Mary and for Joseph is that she just gave birth to a child in a stable. And in just a few more days, she's going to get news that King Herod is going to try and kill every Jewish firstborn child under two years, under two years old. And so she's going to have to move, journey across, journey towards Egypt. And so before we get into this, this morning, have you ever had that sense of great promise and expectation for the future? But the reality of for your life is that right now things still look pretty grim. See, there's a tension between the big picture of what you know God wants for you and what He's calling you to, what you have a sense that you've been promised, what your eternal hope is, and the smaller picture. That is your present reality and can be incredibly cloudy. And so this reality that we find in in Luke chapter 2 verse 19 is actually the same reality of this song that the choir sang this morning. Today's message is called, I Heard the Bells. I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And I want to tell you quickly, before we have a few moments together in communion, the backstory of this song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It was written by a man, it was actually originally a poem written by a man named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Um, He was here on this earth from 1807 to 1882. He was a poet, he was also a professor at Harvard. He wrote a poem simply called Christmas Bells, which I will ring to you, which I will read, not ring to you, which I will read to you in just a few more, few moments. This poem was later arranged into a song by John Baptist Calkin around 1872. So when I tell you this backstory, I'm telling you about the poem that, that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote. Now, in 1861, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow lost his wife. They had a domestic fire in his home. He did everything he could. He, see, he saw his wife begin to burn He did everything he could to save his life, including put his body over her and and try to to distinguish the flames. His wife did not make it, and Henry, his face, would be burned and scarred for the rest of his life. 
And so imagine for one, not only losing someone who was your spouse, who was your companion, your lifetime companion, and always remembering her up here, Henry would also have that visual every time that he looked in the mirror. He would remember that incident and what had taken place with his wife. And 1861 is the year that that he lost his wife. But if you could also be reminded, it was also the year that the Civil War began. And Christmas in 1862, in his journal, as the Civil War was thick and he's still mourning the loss of his wife, he wrote in his journal, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. Henry was in a dark place, and a man who usually uses his words to bring life and reflection to everyone was in a really dark place in 1862. In 1863, he received word that his son had been severely wounded in battle, an injury that would would cause him to have a disability, uh, his son to have a disability the rest of his life. In 1863, Henry was silent in his journal. There was nothing that, that, that any, that there's, there was no response that he had at that season and in dealing with what was taking place in the war. So we have a man who's mourning the loss of his wife, experiencing a major injury in his child, and while the nation are, are killing, the people in our nation are killing each other. And each and every year at Christmas time, churches would ring their church bells. It would, they would ring them, of course, before service, but they would also ring them as a sign of Christmas Day. But you know what else the church bells would be used for at that time? Whenever there was a memorial, whenever there were men in the village that had been lost in the Civil War, it would also ring the church bell for each and every person that had been lost during battle. So there's a complicated thing where you're you're experiencing both things. You're experiencing tragedy. Henry's experiencing tragedy in his personal, personal life. He's experiencing this tragedy on a national level, and yet it's Christmas time, the time when we're supposed to Uh, to to feel good, the time when we're supposed to lift up our eyes and have this perspective of eternal hope. And finally, in 1864, he wrote this poem simply called Christmas Bells. 1864 was the year that Abraham Lincoln had been reelected. And all of a sudden, there began to be this sense of hope that the war was going to come to an end soon, but it wasn't. And something happens different where where Henry hears those bells and where before, you know, they were just the the noise of life that he was just not ready to participate in at Christmas time. He's experienced tragedy in his personal life and there was tragedy in the nation. But this time in 1864, he heard the sound of something deeper. So there's a passage in scripture in Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 through 8 that speaks directly to this, this, this experience that Henry had, and I believe it speaks directly to a season that some of you may be in as well. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 was written by Solomon, the, the king of Israel after his father David, and it says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, and a time to die, 
a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. See, there's something left unsaid in this passage of Scripture that I believe is said in this Christmas song that we sung and sung in this, in, as well in this Christmas poem that I'm going to read to you. See, the Civil War was something that Wadsworth, he really couldn't control himself. He didn't have the power to tell it when it was time to stop. That was not in his own power as an individual That was a sovereign decision of the cause and effects of the war and grace from a sovereign God to end this battle, this ongoing national tragedy. But there was some choices that Wadsworth Longfellow could make about the perspective of the season of life that he was in. After, two, after three years of losing his wife and experiencing national tragedy, experiencing tragedy that hit home with his own son, he made a choice that instead of continuing to mourn and having perpetual sadness, he was going to choose hope. And in 1864, he did not deny the reality that was around him, But he lifted up his eyes to something that was happening in his soul, something that he longed for in his spirit, that God would intervene and bring life once again. And so here is the poem that Wadsworth Longfellow wrote, simply entitled Christmas Bells. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and the wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, The cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the the heartstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then he hears something different. 
And he writes this last stanza of the poem. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. The voice of God during the conflict. The voice of God when everything isn't right. The bells were a sound of hope, where before there there may have been a sound of distraction, of noise, of tragedy. But then he hears them as a sound of hope, a sound of freedom for for Longfellow. A sign that that for him, and I say this with hesitation because I believe that there's some of you in this room that need to hear this. It was a sign for him that it's time to move on, a time to engage. God is not done with you. There's a time for mourning. There's a time to recognize when things have changed. But as Solomon said, there is also a time to be born, a time to heal, a time to build, a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to embrace, a time to mend, a time to love, and yes, a time for peace. When things are not going the way that you want to, our often tendency in our human nature is what we call fight, to fight or flight. And in the fighting and the flighting, the more that you isolate yourself, the less that you have peace. And the more that you fight against the living God and knowing what he wants from you, the less that you have peace. I want you to look at that person next to you right now and say, you know what? You're still here. No matter what you've gone through, you're still here. Every time I hear those words, I... I think of a couple things of, 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 a, of a wonderful preacher who did a brilliant job with an altar call and naming different challenges and tragedies that people in his church had gone through and having all of them come and declare that, you know, they're still here. But I also think of a story from a, another minister where uh, he was telling the story of a, of a 14-year-old girl, or excuse me, a, a 12-year-old girl who had passed away. And she was just, she loved God. She was incredibly sweet and just just the, the kind of girl was a tragic accident. They had, they had no reason to believe it was coming. It was just so confusing. It's so tragic when it, when it had taken place. And I, and I always forget that this guy's name was Roosevelt Hunter, who the, the Lord went on to take him through a battle with cancer probably about 10 years ago. But he told this story at the funeral. It's a question I never forget, and I know I've shared it at least one time. But, but the question we always want to ask in the midst of a tragic season is why, why did God take this girl? And the question that that, that everyone in the room would ask, why, why did this happen? Why did this girl, why did this girl pass in such this time? And he said at the funeral, the words of of, of scripture, the words of the song, the words of of what even Mary is experiencing in these these moments that we're going to get to in a second. The question in these moments of tragedy is not one to ask, why has God taken someone home? But the greater question to always ask is, why has he left you? The Lord is not done with you yet.
See, back, we are called to engage the work of the Lord for today and receive the peace that is available to your soul. This time, in just a few moments, we're going to prepare for communion. So I'd like to ask our, our deacons to come forward and, and feel, I want you to be able to bless people as they go. And I'll be standing over here in just a minute for prayer. But before we do that, I want to get back to this story that we began with. It's in Luke chapter 2, verse 19. It said, Mary, after giving birth to a child in the middle of a barn, Mary's hearing all these stories of what this child is going to be, but her present reality is still really grim. I got to believe you feel that way as a Christ follower sometimes. You've been told all these things that God wants for you, but right now you don't feel them. There's a reality for you that's dark, that's confusing, that you don't have all the answers to. The Greek word for what Mary did in this text was that she weighed these things on her heart. That's the best Greek translation for the word uh, pondered, was weighed. She allowed all that has happened to her to hold some weight and reverence for this moment right now. And all that just happened wasn't just glorious, it was also tragic. And that God was doing a new thing that she was right in the middle of. And if we can allow the metaphor to spring forward, in those moments, Mary heard her own bells on Christmas Day. That God was doing something that she couldn't completely understand, but she was right in the middle of it. And right now, I want all of you to know that you are too. Nick is passing something out that before we take of communion, I want to give you a chance for reflection. I want you to give you, give you a chance to reflect in, in similar fashion as Mary and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I want you to welcome the opportunity for God to speak to you personally, but also to minister and encourage someone else in a couple days at our Christmas Eve service. And so here's what I've asked that you do. If I can have one of those, I don't, well, I, we got it. If you can, oh, Nick can't do it because he's there. But um, in just a second, he'll be able to put this up on the screen. But it just simply says, you got a little handout here that says, do you hear the bells on Christmas? And it says this year, something that was a challenge for you this year, something that was confusing for you this year that you still don't have all the answers to. I mean, I could look around this congregation and I could probably write your story down for you. I know that there are, for you there's still challenges that you don't know how they're all going to end. So whatever it's been, your experience this year, explain, explain briefly a challenge of this year for you. But then there's the other side to this. But I hear the bells, and God is calling me to what? What is it that you know the Lord is moving you towards right now? Hear me from this microphone this season. There are many things that you do not have control over. But right here, as the psalmist, as David put it so clearly, as, law, as it was one of the recorded scriptures in Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's journal, was, why so downcast my soul? Put your hope in God. What I'm saying, church, is you have the power, the same power that Longfellow did. You have the power to lift up your eyes and engage in the work of the living God. Receive what he has for you. Walk in the way he has called, for you, called you to. Today, in this moment, without knowing what's next, 
without knowing how it's all going to work out. But you have the ability to make a conscious choice to choose him and to choose life. And so before we do this, I want to ask everyone at this time to bow your heads. Now, you can respond this to me. You can, you can respond by, by writing this, and I have a little basket that will be up here for you to place it in when you come for communion, if you would like. I'm sitting it right here on the little pulpit. But you also could text me your responses. You could email me your, your answers if you want. I would love to be able to share these anonymously as we will share again this theme at Christmas Eve. And would love to use your struggle, your challenge, and what you're hearing God calling you to I'd love to be able to share that as an encouragement on Christmas Eve, but it's not just about that. So I'd love for to hear your responses if you're willing to do that. But really, it's all about right now in this moment. With all of your heads bowed and all of your eyes closed, we're going to take just a moment of reflection to allow you to hear the bells in your life. What is God calling you to now? you can begin to play that song. This time we're going to begin as you feel ready. You're invited to bring your, uh, your, your points of reflections. You're invited to write them in this moment and place them in that basket, or you can send them to me later. But as you're ready, we want to invite you now in this moment to partake in communion. See, communion is a time when we're reminded of who we are. And we make a conscious choice to come back to the table. It says that I'm not going to, communion, and the Lord told us that if we resist what he wants for us, we don't make things right before we partake of communion. Scripture actually tells us that there could be a curse upon us. Now, we never focus on that in church, but there's a point that we have to have a moment of reflection and a moment of decision. And the decision for communion is ultimately when you come back, I'm saying yes to the living God. I don't have everything figured out. But I hear the bells this Christmas. I have a sense that God, the bells that welcome the living God, the bells that welcome a humility and power that I'm no longer going to resist and run from God. I'm going to engage in his work this season. So that's your sign as you come forward for communion this morning. So when you're ready at this time, again, if you'd like to drop those in that basket, I'd appreciate it. You can put your responses any other way. I will share your responses anonymously, but I want you to come to the table of communion as we hear the bells on Christmas Day. Invited to come forward at this time. As always, I'll be standing over here uh, for a time of prayer if anyone would need prayer.
Let's have a word of prayer together as we close our time of communion. Lord, we thank you that there is always a table that you invite us back to. You, you give us opportunities to remind us of who we are. Those that come to this church each Sunday at times they may not realize that that's actually what they're doing. They're reminded that God is still alive. He doth not sleep. He is not dead. The right will prevail. We are all right in the middle of this story today. And when we come back to the table, you remind us of who you are as you said, do this in remembrance of me. And as we come in community, we remind each other that we are still in this together. We are still here, and God is not done with us yet. For each and every one across this room, I pray you give them that sense of destiny this Christmas season. That this is not just a story we seek about, sing about in carols and and talk about and anticipate, but we are right in the middle of it in this moment. Awaken us to your presence for today. May we hear the bells and respond to them. What you are calling us to do in this moment. May we say yes to you, the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For our offertory thought this morning, it comes from Luke. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Would the ushers please come forward?
prayer with me. Dear God, we ask that you bless these, our gifts, that they might enrich the work of your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before benediction, um, I want to ask you, I'll say this metaphorically first. Do you hear the bells this Christmas? Now I say this literally. Did you hear the bells a few moments ago? Okay, I was just wondering. It was a lot quieter. Where's, where is Mitch at, by the way? He, he rang him for us, and now he's disappeared. But what, what exactly, because what you don't know is that he risked his life to do that. <laughs> we're, all, we've got, we're getting them repaired, but we didn't know for sure if they wouldn't come falling through the ceiling when he rang them, and we decided it was worth it. We were going to do it anyway. Um, so we're, we're grateful that he did that. And soon, the day is coming soon, uh, uh, because of a couple people nudging us, we'll, we're going to get our bells ringing uh, on, for, for church again in the near future. So um, I do hope that you can come and join us tonight at Community Christian Church. Again, 5.30 for the meal. 6.15 will be the second performance of the play. But before you go, your benediction. May you hear the bells this Christmas and the sound that declares the birth, the presence, and the soon coming return of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.